G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. I was so thankful for every junction in our journey. God had provided the perfect person for us. I was so thankful for that audiologist who shared Cody's diagnosis in such a way that it gave us hope. And so every single point where things could have gone wrong, it was going right. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today we have part two of our conversation with special support educator Louise Griffiths, who's sharing her life journey with us and about her experiences as a parent of a child with special needs. Last time, we heard how her son Cody was born profoundly deaf. Today, we'll hear about the impact this had on her family and that as he got older, they suspected there was something else at play. Once again, Louise is chatting with Eric Scadabo in our Melbourne studios. And then I went to Deaf Baby Playgroup. Now, you don't find many (laughs) playgroups around for deaf babies, but it just so happened in the area of Liverpool in Sydney in 2008, there were five babies born four of which were profoundly deaf and a fifth one with a moderate hearing loss. So they said, let's make a play group. Mm-hmm. And so we all rocked up. I think all of us, except for one mum, it was our first baby. So we all turn up with our tiny babies, all with hearing aids. And if you don't fit your hearing aids properly, they squeak because air gets in. So you've got these babies coming in with squeaking hearing aids and... We had all been through the same experience of going to Westmead Children's Hospital, having the two-hour test, being told there's a hearing loss. Mm. Most of us even had the same lady who diagnosed us. Oh, okay. And so, so you we, all have this in common. We all had the same experience, except that some of the ladies, when their baby was diagnosed as profoundly deaf, they brought in the hospital social worker. And it turns out the hospital social worker probably didn't specialise in supporting mothers with deaf babies because she would make it seem really, really terrible and what a terrible life these kids had ahead of them. Mm. That's what the ladies felt anyway. Mm. Whereas I had this really upbeat conversation where the lady's like, yep, your child's deaf. We're going to put in cochlear implants and if you just work hard, you'll get him into school. So I was like, yep, we can so do this. Mm. Whereas a couple of the other mums was like, I don't know how we're going to get through the next five years. And that was all because of the tone of the How person. How they were told. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure my personal faith had a bit to do with it as well. Oh, yeah. But here we had five women. There was a a lady from the Muslim faith again, mm-hmm. um, which is a really high Muslim population in the area of Sydney, which we were in. Mm-hmm. There was a Romanian Orthodox lady. There was a refugee from Bosnia and a lady also who'd come from Southeast Asia. So I was the, quite a variety. It was quite a variety, and I was the only lady who had English as a first language. Oh, wow. I was also the only lady who had um, been able to do 
university study in Australia. Mm-hmm. And so we made a bit of a hub, but it also meant that my Googling skills and my ability to read medical reports and to research information online meant that I became a bit of an information hub. Oh, okay. Which I loved. Like that's how I dealt with the diagnosis. I just learned. I just got online and I learned everything I needed to know because for me, being armed with information means that I am ready. Mm-hmm. And so we would get together and we'd share information, we'd share what the doctors had told us and we'd try and make sense of what doctors had said. And then at night, Facebook had just emerged in 2008. So this was, oh, okay. you know, groundbreaking technology. <laughs> um, but I would sit on Facebook Messenger and talk with my Muslim friend about why God would allow our children to be born deaf. Oh, so suddenly you're having interfaith conversations. It was amazing. For about a year, we all journeyed together. But the downside is that as the kids got older and they began to walk around and they're always assessing our kids, they're always seeing how many words they've got, how how many times they can roll over, how their head's oh, going. Oh, you're comparing and, with each other? It did my head in. Hmm. Um Cody was a, a beautiful kid. He got his cochlear implant surgery. Um, he was responding really, really well to the cochlear implants. But I did not want to hear any more about how the other baby could say seven different words and my son still only had two. Mm. And at that time, you didn't know that your child had autism. No, no. All Like, he was such a cute kid. Like, everyone loved Cody because he had this huge smile um, we had also been the most aggressive in our response to Cody's deafness. So we mm. got two cochlear implants inserted at once, mm. which was considered quite unorthodox oh, okay. um, back in 2008. It's now standard. Mm. But, yeah, I just sort of – I didn't want to be comparing my son anymore. Yeah. So as much as I love – That sounds like that could ladies, be depressing. It was. It was getting really detrimental. So I pulled out of that group mm. – and um, then we moved churches at the same time. Now, I wanted to go back, if we yeah. could, to the theological impact of all this. As you just said earlier, initially, the congregation at the church you were going to, it kind of just rocked their theological yeah. world. But how did it impact you and your personal theology at mm. that time? That was also a, a journey in itself. I think the first time I spoke to the church about it, from my perspective, was in the August. So Cody was born in the January. Mm -hmm. In the August, there was a Women's Day at church. And that week, we had just got Cody's right ear switched on. So he just had his cochlear implant Mm -hmm. put on. And so I actually brought him out to the congregation. Of course, everyone's crying with joy and all Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Um, and Cody's got no idea what's going on. Huh. Um, so I handed him back, and then I actually spoke about my thankfulness, that I'm so thankful for God's gift of Cody. I'm so, so thankful for the work of Graham Clark, who was the um, doctor slash scientist who developed the technology. Who's a, a Christian as well. He's a Christian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, incredible man. Mm-hmm. And... I was so thankful for all the every junction in our journey. God had provided the perfect person for us. I was so thankful for that audiologist 
who shared Cody's diagnosis in such a way that it gave us hope. Mm-hmm. And I was thankful for the Christian audiologist and the Christian surgeon who said to us, I love operating on ministers' kids because I know the church is praying for me. Mm. And so every single point where things could have gone wrong, it was going right. I think mm. there's that verse about how God you know, smooths the pathway for us and takes us to, to the pastures that we need, to the green pastures. And I mm. felt as if God's care was there all along. Yeah. And so that was my first part of the journey. Mm-hmm. The next thing was the opportunities and our prayer when when a baby when you're pregnant with a baby and when the baby's first born, I don't know about other parents, but I'm like, oh what will they be? Will they be a doctor or a lawyer mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. it then became when we found out he was deaf, it was will he understand the depth of of Christ's love for him. Hmm. Will he be able to hear the gospel and the gospel message? And so we no longer cared about careers. We cared about who he is in Christ and whether he would understand that. Hmm. And I guess also I wanted Cody to understand the kingdom purposes that allowed him to be deaf. So I was thinking about that passage in John 9 where mm-hmm. that man is bought, who's born blind is brought to Jesus and the disciples and they say, why is this man born blind? Was mm-hmm. it his sin or the parents' sin? And Jesus is like, no, no, it's so that the God's kingdom will be revealed. Then mm-hmm. he heals the man. Mm-hmm. And I really feel that for me as a mother, I got to reveal God's kingdom to the ladies in that Playgroup that mm-hmm. we we're part of those yep. with those deaf babies. Mm-hmm. I got to share God's kingdom with them, mm-hmm. and then as Cody got older and I pulled away from that playgroup, I was then contacted by the Deaf Society of New South Wales and asked to mentor other mums. Oh, is that right? Yeah, wow. so mums who had newborn babies who were profoundly deaf. So basically, they had to match the same hearing profile as Cody. At diagnosis, they would then be or they'd be contacted shortly afterwards and told, "Yep, we've heard your baby's been diagnosed as deaf. Would you find it helpful to speak to a parent who's gone through this experience recently?" So I think I and that would be you. That would be me. So I think I mentored about eight or nine ladies, mm. and I was a Christian. Like I couldn't yeah. hide that. Yeah. So they got the whole picture: what it's like yeah. to have a deaf baby, and how prayer and God's kindness to us carried me through it. Mm-hmm. And we'd have every now and then I'd get all the mums together that I'd mentored. And um, the available hall was, of course, the church hall. So um, well, there you go. <laughs> you know, like it was hard to avoid the fact so that I was. Your faith was a part of it all. That was, that was a part and of it all. And they could see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then whenever I got asked to talk at churches for the first few years, a kid with cochlear implants does draw attention. Not so much now because Cody's hair is getting a bit longer and he wears mm. hats. But as a baby, every church we went to wanted to hear the story. So oh, okay. the John 9 sermon would come out basically mm-hmm. and I would give a talk on John 9 and why God allowed Cody to be deaf for God's kingdom purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, Which we don't always understand. We don't. And I every now and then I say to Cody, so why do you think God allowed you to be deaf? And he's beginning, like, I don't want him just to recite what I say or yeah. just recount what I've told him, but he is beginning to say, yeah, because God wants people to see how God can help people mm. like me. Mm-hmm. And that's really, 
really lovely and exciting for me. And that's a positive attitude that there is a purpose and a reason for the reason why I am the way I am. Yeah. Rather than just thinking, oh, I'm just unlucky. That's right. And look, there have been seasons of that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. He's only human. He's only human and he's only a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, But, oh, my favorite story ever was when he was about three or four years old and Cameron, my husband, was saying to Cody, when you get to heaven, you won't be deaf. Mm. And Cody says to Cameron, so what do I do with my my ears, which is what he calls his cochlear implants? Mm -hmm. And Cameron goes, well, you won't need them. And he goes, so what do I do with them? Like, do I just leave them on the grass or something (laughs) when I get to heaven? And Cameron's like, you don't don't need them. And he's like, but where will I leave them? Uh, just, just leave them on the grass, um, which is so cute because, yeah. of course, we had to train him from very young, don't lose your $30,000 ears. Oh, yes. Um, thank so you, they, Australian government. they go in and out. Um, there's a surgical procedure mm-hmm. where there's internal devices, there's mm-hmm. a computer in there, and then the external part looks like a giant hearing aid with a little coil attached that sticks to his head by a magnet mm-hmm. and sends a signal through to his brain. Okay, so, so those both, pieces pull off. Mm-hmm. So both internal and external. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we've lost cochlear implants in the Yarra oh. River. Oh, my we've, goodness. We thought we'd flush one down the toilet once. That's also a whole other podcast. <laughs> I'm giving you so much information for like 10 podcasts. <laughs> okay, well, let's just try to get through one here. <laughs> You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is once again chatting with special support educator Louise Griffiths, who's sharing her life journey with us and about her experiences as a parent of a child with special needs. We'll hear more of her story when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Our guest today is once again special support educator Louise Griffiths, who's sharing about her experiences as a parent of a child with special needs. As we've heard, her son Cody was born profoundly deaf, and this presented some unique challenges. Now we'll hear what happened next in her life as she continues her chat with Eric Scadabo. So then you also found out a little bit more about his deafness. Yeah, the other amazing thing about the health system in Australia and particularly in New South Wales at the Mm -hmm. time was that they do every test under the sun to try and work out why your child is deaf. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Cameron and I were hearing adults, Mm -hmm. so it didn't seem as though it was hereditary, but there's a heart condition that can cause deafness. That's one in one million apparently. There's Usher's syndrome that starts off with a hearing loss and then eventually leads to a vision loss. Um, There's another form of deafness that um, is linked to a kidney illness. And so they really wanted to find out what was the cause. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, I was blaming myself Mm. as well, which I think whenever anything happens to your child Mm. as a parent, you blame yourself. Um, No, we shouldn't. We shouldn't, but but we do. do. Yeah. 
And I had been a teacher right up until I was eight months pregnant. Mm. And I had a mouse infestation in my storeroom at my school. And I remember cleaning out all the mouse poo and then putting lip balm on shortly afterwards with my fingers and then going, oh, no, I haven't washed my hands between the mouse poo Mm. and the lip balm. And so for quite a while, I thought maybe I'd given my, my son some sort of Infection or disease mm, or something yeah. from the mouse poo because there are conditions that your child can develop while in utero. Oh, wow. So this is all causing so there's you There's toxoplasmosis that you can catch from a cat. And there's. There are a number of things to worry about if you. Cyclomegalovirus. Really, oh okay. So knowing exactly what caused. Because I'd reached, researched yeah. them all, Eric, of course. Because <laughs> that's what you do. Because I had been on Google for hours, hmm. but. The day the phone call came from the deafness paediatrician, he said it was actually a genetic mutation. So the blood went off to America, Mm -hmm. came back. Cody had a mutation of the Conexin 26 gene. Now, you're probably not familiar with it. I wasn't. No. But basically the mutation is carried in 1 in 20 adults Mm -hmm. or 1 in 20 people. And then the chance of two people with this mutation getting together and forming a child is 0.05. I think that's mm. the mathematicians are probably I'll just out there go now. with you yeah. on that, yeah. Apologies <laughs> to the gene specialists out there who are going, she's But, but the bottom line is low odds, and you just happened to marry your husband, Cameron, who also had the yeah. same. And there was nothing that we knew of in our family histories. Mm. Like, obviously, somewhere back in both our family lines, there are mm. people that are deaf or have got a hearing loss. Mm that we didn't know about. Mm. So at the end of the day, there was nothing we could have done. Right. So that alleviates all that worrying you had. But also it gave such hope for the future because they knew that with this gene, the only issue you had to worry about was deafness. Mm -hmm. That once they put the cochlear implants in, this particular condition was not linked to any other disabilities or challenges. Okay, so that's a relief. That's a total relief. Yeah. Which is why we got a bit worried when Cody was now up on his feet and walking around. He was a bit slower to get going than other kids. So, oh, how old was he when you learned that it was genetic? Oh, five months old. Okay. So fairly early on, and that's mm-hmm. why we went so aggressively into the surgery because mm-hmm. we knew. That was the main we issue. We just had to get the hearing aids in mm-hmm. and go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we were one, or he was one, we went to a new church and there was a playgroup with heaps of kids Cody's age. And so once again, there was that point of comparison. But mm. the good thing is you go, well, my child's deaf, so I can't compare him to the other kids. So that there was, you go. That was quite handy. Relieve stress. Um, so that relieves stress in a lot of ways. Mm. But we also discovered by the time Cody was two, he had a very, very low tolerance for being around other children for extended periods of time. You know, we'd be going on a play date or whatever, and, you know, there were so many of us mums who were stay-at-home mums at this stage with Mm -hmm. kids around the same age. But by about the two-hour mark, I would have to pull out. I'd have to say, okay, Cody, we're going home, because he began to get irritated and annoyed, Mm -hmm. and he just wasn't coping with Mm -hmm. the social interaction the way other kids were. Mm -hmm. And it was actually beginning to affect how I could do ministry. I couldn't just go to someone's house and just dump my child on the floor and say, he'll be fine for three hours. Mm. I had to go, right, I've got an hour and a half with you. Let's talk fast because I have to leave <laughs> before Cody says it's enough. Yeah. 
So that began to get me thinking about, wow, why why does he yeah. find it so hard to hang around with other kids? Mm-hmm. And when I did catch up with the other babies with a hearing loss, they weren't finding that. They were really social bunnies. But Cody really found it hard to hang around with other kids mm-hmm. for long periods of time. And um, he did like things a certain way and he didn't really like playing by himself. But, man, he loved television. Really Mm. love television. And so we were just watching this and seeing as his his sister came along and she was hearing, which was a total Mm. shock to us. We were ready for a a second child who would be deaf Mm. because that was easier to prepare for that. Mm. But she was hearing. Um, But we could just see that Cody really struggled socially. And then... At this, this church we were at, we had some wonderful friends who had a boy that was actually 12 hours younger than Cody. Mm-hmm. He was hearing. But we could just see that Cody wasn't at the same emotional maturity as this other little boy. Mm-hmm. And So, so this, side by side, you could tell. Yeah, that just the way Cody responded, his resilience, his ability to cope with frustration, his gross motor skills, the whole picture, although he physically looked the same, Mm. the behaviour was markedly different Mm. and he was very, very emotional. Um, He had meltdowns quite easily. Meltdowns are basically a response to when you're so overwhelmed, Mm -hmm. you don't know how to respond so you cry, hit, whatever you need to do Mm -hmm. just to escape. Yeah. And so my dear friend at this church sent their child to primary school but we gave Cody another year at home, mm-hmm. wanting him to mature. But you didn't know what was causing that. No, we just, well, we thought maybe it was the deafness. It's also kids are different. Yeah, that's um, true. Yeah. There is variation. So, For whatever reason, you just thought he was a little immature? Yeah. For yeah, his age? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then in totally unexpected twist, we ended up moving to Melbourne at the end of this year where we held Cody back from school. So I think it was about 2013, 14 mm-hmm. yep, that we moved to Melbourne because Cameron was moving into the Presbyterian denomination. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, it was Donvale Presbyterian. <laughs> Once again, here we go. So um, here we were, very last minute, deciding to move to Melbourne. So I rang up the principal of Donvale Christian College and just said, we're coming back to Melbourne. <laughs> we, Cody's profoundly deaf. He's got some challenges. We really need lots of support for Cody mm. and we, we can't pay the full fees. Can you help us? Mm. And their answer was, of course. And so here I am returning to the school that was my family, um, returning eight years that later. That helped you out so much. Oh, yeah. God's, like God just had it under control. So mm. I took Cody into a class with a teacher that I had taught with previously. He got a learning assistant who I had admired and loved when mm. I was a teacher there years ago, all my old friends were still working there. Mm. They'd followed our journey on Facebook. Like it really was coming home. Mm. And when you're putting your child with a disability into school and you're worried about it, what greater provision than having him put into a school where you... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sounds ideal. Paul Cameron was like, I'm not sure about all this private school stuff. And I'm like, just trust me. <laughs> um, and <laughs> that was wonderful. Yeah, yeah. But... Even then, I began to see that Cody wasn't dealing with the social stuff Mm. as well as the other kids. And I'd say to the teacher, 
do you reckon there might be something there? Like, do you reckon it could be autism or something? Mm. And the teacher was like, oh, no, 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 he's fine. He's fine. He's just, you know, a bit sensitive. No, they're looking at kids every day. They are. But yet they weren't thinking it was autism. Mothers know. Mm. Well, I never, I'm, I'm never going to argue with that. Yeah, I never, ever question a mother as, as a mm. professional now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just knew there was something mm. different mm-hmm. and a real struggle there. And grade one, the struggles continued. Grade two, they were really ramping up. He was really struggling to control his emotions at school. Mm. He was um, inadvertently hitting other children just in his frustration, like he wasn't going after them. Mm. But if you were nearby, you'd better duck. Mm. Um, And so I was really getting concerned. And meanwhile... Cody was seeing a speech therapist through this whole time. Mm-hmm. And the amazing thing about speech therapy is it's not just teaching you how to pronounce your S's and your TH's properly. Mm-hmm. It's actually a lot about social communication. So they teach you how to read situations. Oh. Yeah, I had no idea until oh, okay. I got into this whole world yeah. of, you know, special education. Yeah. But they taught Cody how to respond appropriately to distressing situations. There's this thing called the catastrophe scale where you rate from zero to ten how upsetting something is. Um, So zero would be, you know, you need to replace a battery on your watch and ten would be like your parents being taken away from you and you're never seeing them again. Mm -hmm. So Cody thought that me not giving him lasagna for dinner was a level 10 on the catastrophe oh. scale. Oh, wow. He genuinely thought that not getting his favourite meal was a level 10. And so you could sort of see that this kid wasn't seeing That's the world. That's a bit much. Yeah. yeah. We also discovered in the afternoon that when we picked him up from school, he had to have afternoon tea mm. and he must have afternoon tea before he had dinner. Well, that was part two of Eric Scadabo's conversation with special support educator Louise Griffiths, who's been sharing with us about her experiences as a parent of a child with special needs. As we've heard, her son Cody was born profoundly deaf, and as he got older, they suspected there was something else at play. Next time, we'll hear how Louise sets off to learn everything she can about being a parent of a child on the autism spectrum, and how this eventually impacts her career direction, as well as her desire to help other parents going on a similar journey. That's all coming up next time. But before we end today, I want to leave you with a Bible verse that Louise alluded to earlier in today's program. It's from Isaiah chapter 26, verse 7, which says, Our Lord, you always do right, and you make the path smooth for those who obey you. As we heard, Louise and her family had their share of challenges related to Cody's profound deafness. But as she looked back on those experiences, she could see how they received just what they needed at just the right time, as if God had smoothed the path for them. Well, next time we'll hear how God continues to do this as they face Cody's diagnosis of being on the autism spectrum. That's all coming up next time as we hear more of Louise and Cody's story. Until then, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story... We could just see that Cody really struggled socially. And then at this this church we were at, we had some wonderful friends who had a boy that was actually 12 hours younger than Cody. But we could just see that Cody wasn't at the same emotional maturity as this other little boy. 
although he physically looked the same, the behaviour was markedly different. Louise Griffiths joins us once again to share more of her journey as a parent of a child with special needs. Louise learned that in addition to her son being born profoundly deaf, he was also diagnosed with autism. We'll hear how this impacts Louise's life next time. The story. Just another way vision is helping you look to God daily. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.